name is William Del Pilar. Some of you know me as a conservative Latino. I'm better known as a fantasy sports pioneer. And with me is a fellow pioneer, Big John. Let's welcome him aboard and let's get down to it. It is Super Bowl weekend. Big John, how are you doing? And let's start it out with, who do you like? All right, uh, William, uh, as you know, Big John, uh, that's me. And I also run a site called Nerd Fantasy Sports. So my nerds have been on this for the last two weeks. We've been analyzing the numbers, trying to get a read on the Super Bowl. And I got to tell you, it's not just the Super Bowl. Leading up to the Super Bowl, my nerds were very, very helpful to me. So I am proud to announce, William, I can't lose in this Super Bowl. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. This is not a boast. I'll tell you why. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, we did an analysis on the site and we came up with the team that we thought uh, gave us the best risk return on winning the Super Bowl, a futures bet back in October. Back then, we put I put some money down on the LA Rams to win the Super Bowl at plus 800. So for wow. those that aren't aware, plus 800 means eight to one odds. So $1 gets you back eight. All right. So that was my bet. That bet is still good. So it is good. And it's the only futures bet I put. So like uh, for people are saying, well, it doesn't count if you bet on half the teams, right? Right. I get that. I only bet the Rams because our model said they have, believe it or not, we called it. They had the highest probability of winning the Super Bowl at the best return. Now, what does that mean for me? It means tomorrow I've already put my money down on the Bengals plus four and a half. <laughs> Why? because I can't lose now. As a matter of fact, there's about a 12% chance that I'll win both bets. Here's how. The Rams win the oh, game. John, John, so for those who don't gamble, yeah. uh, what does the Bengals at four and a half mean? Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. Bengals plus four and a half means that if you bet on the Bengals as the underdog, you win if the score is within four and a half points. Either so, way? Uh, yeah. So, well... If the Bengals win the game outright, you win the bet. But if they lose by less than four and a half points, meaning four points or less, uh, then you still win. So in essence, so, you're getting four and a half points. You're getting uh, four, to the Bengals to right. start the game. So the game starts off with the Bengals winning four and a half to nothing. Think of it. That's another good way of putting it. So those odds are minus 110 or $10 will get you nine, nine back. Okay. Okay. So, um, so by putting money on the Bengals strategically, what have I done? I am guaranteeing a profit uh, on either side. So let's assume I put uh, $10 on the Rams futures bet, you know, just mm -hmm. to make up a number, right? That means I would be getting back $80 if the Rams won. Okay. Um, by putting $50 on the Bengals, I'd be getting back 45. So uh, by doing so, uh, I've covered my my winnings on either end. Okay. Right? In other words, you covered your backside. That'll I've make your wife happy. Exactly. I've covered my backside and I still get the chance. Now, like I said, there's a 12% chance I win both bets because if the Rams, as has been the case in the in this playoff run, as you well know, William, a lot of these games, if not most of them, are have been decided by one score. And if, if the Rams end up winning by a field goal, for example, 2017, 23-20, then I win both bets. The Rams win the Super Bowl at my plus 800, 
and the Bengals win at plus four and a half. So then I double down and win both bets. So this is a can't lose Super Bowl personally for your pal, Big John. So um, let's let's uh, let's be glad on that. But in general, um, if you had no futures bet on the game, uh, William, I'd say take the Bengals plus four and a half. I feel very good about them covering the spread. I think uh, the nerds so far on the site were eleven and one against the spread in the playoffs. Um, Here's why. I love the Bengals in terms of their consistency heading into the game. Uh, a lot of people say, well, what about the regular season? Forget the regular season. That's done with. It's playoff time. Completely different beast. Uh, the Super Bowl is the equivalent of coming off a bye week. They've had two weeks off. Uh, their tight end, Uzuma, is coming back. Uh, you know, if this, if this game was played normally, he'd be sitting. He's playing after two weeks rest, I think. So... Uh, there's, there's, uh, and Higby actually the tight end for the Rams is probably going to p- play as well, but he's a little bit banged up. Higby was just put on IR. I heard today. Okay. So there you go. Uh, he, he's not going to make it through. So my point being is that now you've got the Rams and the Bengals. I like the Bengals. I think their running game is better. Um, their defense is playing inspired overall. If you look at the season numbers, the Bengals and the Rams, basically the same type of defense in terms of where they stood. I believe one was 17th overall. The other was 18th overall. So uh, defensively, you would think the Rams had the advantage, but they really don't. Um, If you look at their secondary for the Rams, they've got Jalen Ramsey and nobody else. They had to bring uh, Eric Weddle out of retirement to start at safety for them. My man, Eric. I know Eric from the San Diego days. Yeah. Not personally, but I mean, I followed him. Right. And also you went to Baltimore. Great player in his day. He was sitting on his butt for two years and they brought him out of retirement. Okay. That tells you the condition of the LA secondary. So let's say uh, Jalen Ramsey, you put him on uh, Jamar Chase the whole game. Like, uh, I don't think they will, but Ramsey says he's going to shadow Chase. I, I don't know if I'll see that the whole game. But who else do they have in that secondary? Nobody. Now look at the Bengals. They have a really solid secondary. Jesse Bates, Von Bell at safety, great pair of safeties. Then you've got Mike Hilton in the slot. So you've got so, – and, and Eli Apple. Look, as a Giants fan, it kills me to say this. He's played well this year. After I, we I got was, rid of him. I was reading that Eli may be on an island on his own. That's how much confidence yeah, they have yeah, with him. Yeah, he's, he's played well. He's played well. So, so he's playing up to his draft potential. Now. Yes, because he's finally justifying that top 10 pick the Giants invested in him well, all those years ago. Not for uh, the Giants. But for not the for the Giants, but yeah. All right. All right. Um, so I like the Bengals in this one. I also think the Bengals are go- uh, are going to come out and try to grind out a win. I think they have the, be- the best running back in the Super Bowl is on the Bengals. That's Joe Mixon. Uh, make no mistake about it. He's the best running back from either team. Um, what and about Cam? Cam Akers isn't back 100%. If, if you've seen him play in the playoffs, he's just not Cam. You know, he's got the I attitude. I like Derrick Henry was for the Titans when he came back. Yeah, I think he Any was, fans don't realize that they're not machines. They don't right. come back at the same level where they got injured or dropped off. Right, right. I agree with you. I think, look, it's a boost. It's good to have him in the lineup but it's not an automatic dominance, you know, and Sony Michelle is good. I think Sony Michelle is good inside uh, the red zone, inside the five yard line. I think you'll see Sony Michelle. So Daryl Henderson, I, I don't know what you can expect out of him, but like when you look at the Bengals, they've got Mixon. Not only is he a hard nosed runner, he's a decent receiver out of the backfield. Uh, P Ryan, some RG, I hope some RG, I hope I pronounced his name right. 
uh, Pirine, uh, the second runner for the Bengals, also uh, quite capable, especially in the passing game. He's a big dude. He scored a touchdown uh, against uh, the Chiefs. Uh, you saw it last week, last game. You know, took that, what was it, a 40-yard swing pass into the end zone? Really, really can be helpful. So I think that the Bengals, believe it or not, grind out a win. Um, if well, I was the, uh, I'm rooting for the Bengals, but one thing we haven't touched on that that is always part of the issue is somebody who's never been to the Super Bowl. Now, granted, Matthew Stafford has never been to the Super Bowl. However, he's seen as a grizzled veteran after 10 years in the league. This is Joe Burrow's uh, first time. What is it? Second, third year, I guess. And, uh, yeah, is is a second year. But here's the thing. Here's I I, I hear what you're saying, and well, I, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm yeah, just yeah. Asking. I hear what you're saying, though. I it's a good point. But here's what I'm thinking. This is Stafford's first extended playoff run, right? True. So after all those years in Detroit, he had never even won a playoff game in Detroit. So when you think about guys who have been through it, I could make the argument that Burrow has had more big game experience. Than Stafford, if you consider his college career, like at LSU, he won that uh, championship, the 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 title game, um, and he and cert, and and cert. Go ahead. You hit something on the head. Most people don't realize Matthew Stafford at Georgia came in with huge expectations, and Georgia fell flat on their face, kind of yeah. like Dan Marino his final season in at Pitt. Pitt. Yeah. And, and my take is. I have never seen Matthew Stafford as a great leader uh, as a, as a, he's not somebody in the movie 300. He was, who would rally the Spartans. They'd, right. they'd be like, I think I'm going to stay home, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's how I've always viewed him. Yeah. Burroughs overcame a yeah. lot yeah. to, uh, and then not only did he overcome, he was, he was like uh, Spartacus, for example, yeah. he, he was like, like the king of uh, Sparta at 300. And I'm putting this analogy there, but to me, it's great because it shows the difference in their core being. Now, I'm not taking right. anything away from Stafford. I'm just saying what I've seen from Stafford versus what I've seen from Burroughs. And let's not yeah. forget, Burroughs is coming back from that devastating injury. injury. That oh, yeah, injury. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this is a kid who was thrown on the ground, what was it, eight or nine times in the Titans yeah. game? Yeah. I mean, he not only took a beating, granted he's young, but you're right. I see a seasoned young, not you can't call him a veteran, but a seasoned young warrior yeah. uh, who, who is that humble warrior. Yeah. Whereas I see Stafford with people continually making excuses for him. But right. He did deliver this year, yes. so you, he proved me wrong. I did not think they'd make it to the Super Bowl, right. but obviously, I'm, I also believe my uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, behind the scenes keeps giving games away for some reason. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and, and listen, um, Stafford's physical attributes off the chart. Like he's got a hell of an arm. Oh yeah, um, no doubting that. No and, and, and listen, the, he is he has shown me flashes in his career of grit and leadership like i'll never forget that game against the browns uh, a couple of years ago where he basically drove them down the field uh with less than a minute and with a separated shoulder and and you know, refused to come that, out of the John. game you know i mean so i don't want to i don't want people to think that we kind of paint them as sort of like a wuss because that's not the situation correct but, I, but right. as a pure leader somebody who inspires others uh, you're right. I think Burrow seems to have that. He has a swagger to him. 
All the Bengals do, as a matter of fact, with like Even their police kicker. Oh, that's like the damnedest <laughs> thing I've seen in 10 years, at least. And, and like, he's getting his own following versus, oh. you know, everybody, even, I mean, the fat couch potato who thinks he can manage uh, a team better than a GM or even play better than Tom Brady. They're the first to criticize a kicker, yet they're jumping on the bandwagon too. Money Mac. Money Mac, that's what they're calling him, Money Mac. And he's like, yeah, put it on me. I'll, I'll. But you know what? It's refreshing to see that in a kicker. And, and, and while I typically don't like that sort of braggadocio on, on the field, I like it in this kid because I think with kickers, it's all in the head. It, yes. It's all in the head. That's why Vinny Terry was so good. That's why Justin Tucker is so good. Uh, like nothing bothers Raider, Yeah. Elam. Like look at Mason Crosby. Like yeah. he's great until he gets a, a one of these yips in his head and then he'll miss like the next 20 field goal for some reason. It, like, so it all depends to me on mental fortitude. So Bengals, I like them a lot in this game, but, and, and, but I'll also throw out another name at you. Uh, T Higgins, look out for T Higgins. Cause if Jalen Ramsey does shadow Jamar chase everywhere, if I think Higgins is in for a huge game, he's going to eat up the rest of that secondary uh, and you can make the argument that the Bengals have three number one receivers. Well, you Jamar know, Chase, I, I'll be Higgins, and Boyd. I feel bad for 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 defenses in today's NFL because you oh, see yeah. Jalen Rams, uh, Ramsey. Yeah. There's other greats you can talk about, but they always get burnt not because of their lack of skill, but the way the rules are now set up for offenses. Yeah, you know? look, that uh, is- but I'll say this though: as a fan, the C thirty some odd years since Cincinnati. Uh, made it and the misery that city and its fans have gone through. I think that's why people accept the kicker talking smack, the confidence this team, because they've been losers. They've been the sad sacks of the NFL. And not only that, the Brown family has been a disgrace up until May, until the Marvin Lewis was brought on because all they cared about was making a profit, which they did. Right. Yeah. And I'll then, give you the last word before we move on. Okay, let me give you let me give you my my specialty bets, the prop bets for the game. So I gave you uh the Bengals plus uh four and a half. If you go out, you could bet that line. Here's here's another couple of them. These are individual player props, right? Explain what a player prop is. That means you're looking not at the outcome of the game, but the performance of a specific player, what they're going to do on the field. So for any touchdown. Uh, and this is uh, just you have to score a touchdown uh, by either uh, running it in or r- catching a ball in the end zone. Right. Right. Uh, so I've got Joe Mixon who, who at scoring at least one touchdown during the game. Okay. And that proposition pays minus one ten. So ten bucks will get you nine. And I think that's a very smart bet, because like I said before, I think Mixon's going to have a great game. Ten dollars will get you nine dollars. Yeah. Isn't that meaning meaning you get nine back. Your total back is 19. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, Joe Mixon to have a touchdown and the Bengals winning, right? Mm-hmm. That prop is coming off at plus 280. All right? So do- uh, $10 will get you 28 in winnings. Okay. Okay, okay so that's, I get it. I get it. So, so that's, a, that's a nice one because I think if Mixon scores, the odds are the Bengals are winning. Uh, Jamar Chase, uh, the, him scoring a touchdown at plus 110. So uh, $10 will get you 11. I think that's a solid prop. These are all bets that I've placed myself on players. The other players. I have one for you. What's that? Uh, all right, a question for you. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we'll have to move on for yeah. time. Uh, 
I was I saw on Twitter some individuals were talking that Cooper Cup was projected to have over a hundred yards. Uh, I don't know if that's a problem for the audience. I don't gamble because right. I have an addictive personality. Sure, sure. Uh, I have made one one bet in my life and I won, and I'll tell you guys that maybe later today. Sure. But uh, what do you think of that? Because when I saw a hundred yards, but then they showed the numbers. That's why he's kind of been yeah. averaging. But I'm like, this is a Super Bowl. You figure they're going to do everything to stop it. Right. So here's the thing. Um, sometimes when you take these bets, it's not a matter of what you think the player is going to get. It's what are the odds? What's the payoff? And is the risk worth the payoff? So okay. Cooper Cup at coming over 100, you've kind of caught me flat-footed, but off the top of my head, the odds were less than one-to-one, uh, -one, meaning they were in the minus 150, minus 125, one, minus 120 range. And to me, that wasn't a smart bet. Um, so, But you could pretty much bet on anything like that. Let me give you my, my last four very quickly. Uh, the Super Bowl MVP. Usually it's a quarterback. Uh, I'm putting some money, not a lot. I'm putting some money on Joe Mixon winning it. I Joe, knew you were going to say that. Joe Mixon, to, if he gets, uh, if he wins the Super Bowl MVP, that's a plus 3,300 payout, meaning one, 10 bucks gets you 330 in winnings. That to me is a great risk reward bet. That's your dark horse bet. There. That's my dark horse bet. Uh, then I have another bet. Most first downs in the game, I have the Bengals because I think they're going to grind it out. Even if they lose, they may still end up with more first downs than the Rams in the game. That's coming off at plus 150. I have the opening kickoff to be a touchback. I have that, yes. You could even bet on that. So if the opening kickoff goes through the end zone, that's plus 115 <laughs> for John. That's, that's an easy one. That's an easy one, I think, because everyone's hyped up. Yeah. And, here's, and here's my uh, super long shot. Uh, but I think, it, and I think the guy who might pull this off, believe it or not, is Odell Beckham. I took a prop that says any non-quarterback to throw a touchdown plus 1,100. Uh, well, right? if it was 49ers, we know who it would be. <laughs> right. It would be uh, Debo. But, but here's the thing. Uh, Beckham, if you look at through his career, they love using him on a jet sweep. And then when he gets to the opposite corner, he throws it back across the field to some wide open guy. Joe I Burrow, think, Tom uh, Brady style. Uh, well, not Tom I'm, Brady. I'm just baking. Yeah, fun. like bake, uh, Beckham running to one end and then hitting Cup on the other end or Van Jefferson, to me is a play you could pull out if they're over, overselling like a slant or, or a sweep or something. So I've seen him do it with the Giants. I've seen him do it with the Browns. I think he may be able to do that with the Rams. So that's a plus 1,100 prop. Again, you don't bet the house on that. That's right. where you put a few units on and you say, if I win, I'm getting back 11 times my money. It's 11 to one odds. So exactly. th those are my Super Bowl bets. And uh, if you follow them, great. Uh, if you win, even better. Send me a percentage as, as commission. If not, I'll lose my address. And like I said, I don't gamble or else I would. Yeah. You know, I, I used to dominate in fantasy football. Sure. And people used to ask me, why don't you go to Vegas and bet some? Like I said, I made one bet and I did very well. But uh, I was like, no, 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 no. When, when you, I do not have money I like to lose. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, no, look, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of people who feel that way. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. The, the AP named Aaron Rodgers as yeah. its uh, NFL Player of the Year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, now remember though, uh, the they they're supposed to really look at the regular season and not their playoff play. Right. No, I I get that. I get that. Um, look, do I have a major problem with it? No, I don't. Um, he did have a great year, and arguably he was probably 
the most important person to his team. So I get it. Um, here's uh, two other names that popped into my head that I think if you throw in the alternate factor of how important were they to their team, you know, because it's most valuable yeah. player, not the most, the guy with the best stats. Right. Right. Well, that's a good point. It's a very right? important point. That's rarely ever uh, talked about. Right. So to me, like I said, I can't complain about Rogers, but to me, Jonathan Taylor and Cooper cup had to be in that conversation. They had to be. Well, I think Cooper Cup's more a product. Now, this is really bad in terms of how you're going to see it turn towards receivers. Receivers, to me, really don't qualify for MVP because they can't do it without a QB. Well, a lot of look, a lot of people feel that way. But then I would say to you, um, what's a quarterback without an offensive line? What's a running back without an offensive line? So, I mean, you could make that argument for any position. I, no, I, but see, but the, the reason you can is you said offensive line. Those are five or six people. That's okay, fair, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. And I know I back back when I used to be part of the Pro Football Writers of America, um, we used to have these arguments all the time. So I do agree with you. I, I understand where you're coming from. And like I said, I don't have a problem with Rodgers. But I would have liked this. Look, if you don't believe in Cup, what about Jonathan Taylor? Well, let me rephrase that. It's not that I don't believe in Cup. It's like, to me, a receiver's got to show more than just the stats, like you said. But triple hold on. Pound, it, triple... it's, I mean, Stafford was brought in for a reason, and he yep. fulfilled that promise. So uh, uh, yeah. uh, I, I just kind of view that situation differently. Jonathan Taylor, you know, you're right. In fact, somebody sat there and was hammering on Taylor and comparing him to Christian Mac, uh, McCaffrey and legitimately showing how much better McCaffrey was a couple of years ago. And my point was leave the brother alone. He was yeah. exciting to watch and he won some games for the Colts. And I just said that instinctively, not really watching as much yeah. football as I used to, but I knew enough about Taylor. So I can see that argument for Taylor, but at the end of the day, the Colts, really kind of belly flop with the with some of their losses they, they and- collapsed at the end of the year but it wasn't taylor's fault and look um like i said here's the only controversy i have with rogers honestly a lot of this goes back to that hub arkush comment because my former boss for people your former boss know. your former boss and someone that <clears throat> may have plagiarized from uh sports grumblings back no, in the day <laughs> I'm not making any accusations. These are simply an, that's simply an opinion, William. But um, anyway, Hubbar Kush, uh, look, good guy. I mean, but here's the thing. He said out loud what a lot of people were thinking. Right. No, and, not a lot. What they do think. And I know that firsthand. Absolutely. These individuals. Absolutely. So without getting into whether or not you agreed with his opinion of Rogers, right? When he came out and said, I'm never voting for Rogers because of what he did off the field, right? That's a set. Right. It was I'm, a political issue he was upset right. about. He's a liberal who made it, who made sports political in a in a specific instance he should not have. I, I agree. Again, I do like Hub a lot. Yeah. And and listen, um, look, it happens in baseball. How look, if you're trying to tell me that the only uh, that uh Roger Clemens is not in the Hall of Fame for anything other than what people are upset about, which is him taking steroids and doping and never admitting to it. Like then you're out of your mind Uh, on performance alone. He belongs in the hall of fame, Roger Clemens, right? Look on performance alone, Aaron Rodgers should have been in the running for MVP. There's no doubt, but to me, any hope that, and, and look, from what I understand, most people either had Rodgers or cup as their MVP, right? Right. So, So to me, 
any chance that Cup had was obliterated <laughs> when Hub Arkush opened his mouth because he had the opposite effect. Now right. sports writers had to vote for Rogers right. or else they would have to answer questions of, well, are you a closet conservative? Like, uh, you know, uh, liberal. liberal. Uh, uh, I'm uh, sorry. Liberal. Yeah, are you a closet liberal? Cause you voted against uh, Rogers. Well, there are uh, liberals, 95% of it, 95% of them, and they're not closet liberals. Yeah. I, but, I go but, on a rampage on Twitter with some of their comments. <laughs> it just but, burns me up. And I like these guys. I used to pay them. I sure. went through uh, approximately 100, uh, maybe 150, 200 working for KFFL over a 10 year span. And yeah. you immediately saw that bias. Well, look, um, it's not surprising to me. Um, most outlets do have a liberal slant. That's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, anybody who denies that is just denying reality. Um, right, they'll tell right. you they're even-handed, but they're not, you know. Um, but my point was that by opening his mouth, hoping to damage Rogers, probably, he had the opposite effect, in my opinion. I think any chance that Cup had went out the window with, with Hub's remarks. And, well, and I, I do know Hub, and I don't think Hub said that to damage anybody. I just think Hub wasn't thinking in that moment and just honestly answered with how he felt. Look, I met Hub, and some people describe him as a 60s hippie. I never saw him that way because he was older when, when I met him. <laughs> but he is truly one of the nicest guys. And yeah. even though I don't dis I don't agree with him, he stopped following me when I started coming out with my more sure. conservative takes. Sure. Uh, he's one of the kindest gentlemen I have ever met in my life. And I loved working for him. And, and I will never say a bad word about Hub, but... That's just my biased opinion. Okay, so a final comment on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, it would have been interesting to see if he would have won had he had Arkush not said what he said. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, I want to go to the Hall of Fame voting. A lot of great players got inducted. I'll never deny a player. Uh, we can always argue about who. Uh, uh, actually, everybody always argues about who didn't get in. Right. So, oh, wait a second. Been, so do you have the list of who made it in? Do you want to read that off? Oh, no, I don't. I'll tell you what, as we talk, uh, sure. uh, I will look that up. But I did want to talk about one player specifically who did not get in. And okay. I never thought, I never took notice of this player at all because I viewed him as an overachiever. I right. viewed him as, as somebody who climbed mountains and conquered. He was an inspiration to the average guy who couldn't do it well. I used to joke to my Anglo friends, hey, there's your guy there, Zach uh, Thomas. I was, I was gonna say, you must be talking about a white guy. Yeah, uh, Zach Thomas. <laughs> but, but it wasn't just that, it was his size. I mean, yeah, he, he just- was smaller, yeah. Exactly, so I would never have even, even thought if somebody sat there and said, So, William, what do you think? Zach Thomas Hall of Fame? I would say, Nah, not Zach Thomas, because I never paid attention to his numbers. Then I saw his numbers this year, and I was like, Oh my God. So, listen to this Brian Erlacher, first round pick, number nine overall. Zach Thomas, fifth round pick, number 154 overall. And bear with me here. Sure. Solo tackles, Erlacher, one thousand. Okay, first of all, 184 games for Zach Thomas. 182 games for Brian Erlacher. So in essence, they played the same pretty career. much the same amount of games. Yeah, yeah, same career. 1,100 solo tackles for Zach Thomas. 1,040 for Brian Erlacher. Check goes to Thomas. Assists, 627 for Zach Thomas. 314 for Brian Erlacher. Check, 
Zach Thomas. Interceptions, 17 Zach Thomas, 22 Erlacher. Check Erlacher. Now, the, the, that category is kind of close to the point where I'm like, okay, to me, it's about the same. Not because I'm a Zach Thomas fan, but interceptions are pretty much, they're kind of random. You know, you got to be in the right place at the right time. Right. Well, yeah. um, uh, to your point there, it's interesting when you compare statistics, because um, I agree with you. When So obviously we're old enough to have remembered these guys playing, right? And right. when you when you think of it, look, Erlacher came to the NFL as an undersized linebacker or as a big safety, depending on which what your outlook was, right? Now, what made Erlacher great, in my opinion, were his coverage skills. Among like he, I thought he was great at everything. That's his, right. That's his right. coverage skills were very good. So the interceptions, yeah, he had five more than Thomas. But I would be interested in seeing his cover skills, his passes defense, passes uh, PBUs, things like that. Zach Thomas, on the other hand, came in as a Jimmy Johnson favorite, right? He got into Miami and he won that job. Nobody expected him to stick, right? Only Jimmy Johnson saw something in him. Jimmy and Johnson to, drafted him? I think so, yeah. I, I don't remember. I, I could be wrong. It. But but he, look, if he didn't draft him, he certainly flourished under J Jimmy Johnson. So Jimmy Johnson saw something in Zach Thomas. Well, well let, let me continue on here. Uh, this is an important category that I believe is predominantly on the player. Forced fumble. 16, Zach Thomas. 11, Brian Erlacher. Yeah. Sacks. 20 and a half, Zach Thomas. 41 and a half, Brian Erlacher. And that's where Erlacher differentiates himself yeah. from Zach Thomas. And that's one point that nobody can argue. Touchdowns for each. And that to me is like interceptions, right? Exactly. Right Very back. random. Yeah, yeah. But that said, for Zach Thomas to be his ninth year and not get in to me is a travesty. You know, I, I because see. remember this, the Hall of Fame is not just about stats. It's about what did you bring to the game? Right. And there is no other player. Uh, I, I'm not going to say there's no other player, but Zach Thomas is one of those unique players that embodies the spirit of not just football and achieving greatness, but also overcoming his own deficiencies, meaning the uh, shortcomings. You mean yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. to me, that is who you want in the Hall of Fame. It's kind of like Kurt Warner. You know, yeah. he, he went from a stock boy to a legend in, in football and an uber legend in fantasy football. No, I, I agree with you. Look, I, I love Zach Thomas as a player. I love Brian Erlacher as a player. I think they both wore the same jersey number. If I, I think they both wore 54, if I'm not mistaken. But listen, to me. Yes, they did. You, yeah, you got a great memory there. There 54. you go. Um, but here's my thing. Um, if you Erlacher's not in the hall, right? Or is uh, No, I think he is in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So he's in the hall. First ballot. Yeah. So he's in the hall. The only argument would be that you would say to yourself, was Thomas as dominant a player when he played as Erlacher was when he played? And there was, I know there's some overlap in their career in terms of when the years they played. But here's the thing I would say about Erlacher, because uh, I mean, I'm sorry about Zach Thomas. Their defense was no secret. It was like, this is how we're going to line up. Y'all got to beat us. And Erlacher, I mean, Thomas would still get his numbers. Yeah, you know, I think part of the downside with Zach Thomas is, as 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 great as Jimmy Johnson was with the Cowboys, he had a pipeline when he went from college to the Cowboys. So his early draft classes were, were spot incredible. On. Yeah. Once he lost that, 
through time. I knew he would be exposed at, at Miami. He would not flourish. He would not prosper. And he would be seen for what he really was. You know, and that's exactly what happened. Those were mediocre teams. I mean, Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor um, really embodied the Dolphins in that era. Sure. But overall, they were forgettable teams. And, no, and I don't. I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. And and the other thing, you read off the guys' uh, assist numbers. Now, here's a dirty little secret most people aren't aware of: the NFL statistics are very wonky. Um, until pro football reference got a hold of them and started doing archival work. Um, for example, nobody knows how many sacks Deacon Jones ha really had. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, that was before they started tracking. So well, that's right. what I'm saying, right? Like, it's not the same type of stats tracking that you have in baseball, say. Baseball, you could go back to the 1800s and right. their stats are golden, right? Yes. Uh, the NFL is a little bit wonkier. So, for example, a lot of people didn't know that until recently, maybe five, six years ago, assists were decided by each team. So, right. so basically the NFL, those, the statisticians would go to each team. They'd go to the dolphins and say, Hey, how many assists did you give Zach Thomas today? And they go like 15, you know, like they would come up with a number and as fantasy football players, especially IDP individual defensive players back in the day, that was one of my specialties. One of the first things I did was identify teams that are generous with their tackle and assist numbers, because even mediocre players will get an assist just for being anywhere near the ball. Right. right. There were some teams that were well known for this. One were the Dolphins. The other one, was, the other one was the Falcons back in the day. All their players had high assist numbers, uh, and there might have been one or two others. So, so well, what, hold on, hold on. So, what you're saying is maybe he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. I'm saying that. Come on, John, put it on the line. <laughs> you know, um, you're you're putting me in a tough spot. Uh, it's but, the whole purpose, brother. Because honestly, I hold the Hall of Fame as being really for the greats. You know, like. There's some guys that are in there that I don't know that I would have put in there, you know, so. Um... But, 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 you know, I agree. But here's my issue. Everybody saw the greatness of Gale Sayers, but he only played three years. Yeah, essentially. Does he deserve to be in with only three years? Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis deserves to be in. You know why? Because without him, it's no secret. There is no Super Bowl in Denver. That he was the piece they were lacking. You, you can that argument. We, yeah, hold on. That's all we ever heard of. Yeah, well, they don't way. have a running game. They don't have a yeah. running game. Not right. only did they get a running game, they got Terrell Davis a thousand yard back. You know. Now, don't you think Marina would have loved Terrell Davis? Oh, you know? please, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so we're gonna leave this topic here. You're you're questionable on 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 Tom. I'm fifty fifty. I, I, I would vote no. Um. Only Will you be one of these hacks I write about? <laughs> uh, maybe. Listen, the only reason I would vote no, I'll, 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 so you're asking me to commit. My commitment would be to no, unless there was a year where there was nobody else worthy. So yeah, see, he, that's just it. This coming year, a lot of big names are, are going to be eligible. Yeah. My point is simple. The Hall of Fame is not only about statistics. It's, it's what you meant to the game. And to the team, and that's why I believe Terrell Davis should be should have been a lock. Period. Because with that, he helped bring a Super Bowl that John Elway could not. Okay, not so, so so here's the, uh, I'll. Oh, so was, Zach Thomas is a is a Hall okay. Of so, so you're voting with us. I'm voting no. And here's the one to start thinking about for the next show. 
does Eli Manning belong in the Hall of Fame? Don't answer. That's right. Let's that's tease that one because that's the next great debate. You and I both know that's the next great debate is does Eli Manning deserve to get in the Hall of Fame? But here's why I say well, uh, don't say Hall anything. of Fame writers are hacks. No, no, yeah. no. Because they're going to vote for the Mannings. You know, they, it's just that they love the Mannings, most of them. So, I don't know. So that's what I, I mean by the bias. Okay, real quick, though, before we move on. Sure. So congratulations to one I would not have voted a yes on, Tony Baselli. Okay. Uh, you know, he was attacked on me, too short a career, was always injured. You know, the Jaguars uh, uh, a tackle, correct? Yeah, he was good when he played, though. Exactly. He was exactly. good when he played. When he played, that was a problem. Wide receiver Cliff Branch, safety sure. Leroy Butler. Sure. Art McNally, he's an official. Yep. Linebacker Sam Mills, and, and Zach Thomas's numbers are just as good and better than Sam Mills. Sam Mills is another one like Zach Thomas. I, I don't exactly. know if I, I mean... Exactly. Sam Mills is though, but I also like Sam Mills. I love uh, Sam and Mills. That, and Sam Mills... What makes him great, before we move on to the others there, is he helped in making the Saints a legitimate NFL team. People forget they were nothing but a laughing stock for many oh, years. Oh, man. And that linebacking course, Sam Mills. Exactly. With Sam Mills R and a couple R others. Ricky Jackson, Pat Swilling. Yes. Those yes. guys were a terror. Like I put them up there with the Bears linebackers in the from the from the 85 Bears. I put them up there with the Giants linebackers from the 86 team. Uh, like I put really them up there with the best of the John Madden great teams <laughs> in the Sega Genesis. At the sure, time. why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and congratulations to defensive tackle, defensive end Richard Seymour, oh. head coach Dick Vermeil, always beloved by his uh, players. And it, I was happy to see him win his Super Bowl after getting so close so many times. And defensive tackle, defensive end Bryant Young, and, oh, and, and there we have it. Yeah. You know, so as you know, we talk politics and sports, and we're gonna talk something about America's future. Oh you know, everybody okay. says the future are the kids. Sure. And right now, school choice is is coming. It came out from left field because prior to COVID, school choice and vouchers would always soundly be defeated by uh, Democrats and the teachers unions. The teachers sure. unions funding the Democrat Party, Democrats always voting for it. What people don't realize and what's happening now is Republicans are being exposed for not promoting school choice. And the reason school choice is starting to come to the forefront is for the simple fact that with remote learning, we all saw as a nation that many teachers were not teaching, they were indoctrinating to the point some teachers did not want parents allowed to watch remote learning because they didn't want to see what they were teaching. And a lot, and that started to drive parents to go, what are you doing? That's not your job, that's my job. And, and it's gone so far as to individuals getting in trouble for telling the kid don't tell your parent we gave you the COVID shot don't tell your parents right. uh, about your gen new gender identity that we talked you into accepting i mean they're being exposed and school choice is really being pushed hard and many and many states are uh are starting to bring it to the table for discussion. But we're seeing uh, Republican leaders, some of them aren't, and we're also learning that some of them are uh, have accepted school teachers' money. Now, 
what's your take on it? As I know you're a big Milton Friedman fan, and Milton Friedman was was a big believer in school choice or school education, at least. And for me, it's kind of personal because I believe the same way. Yeah. I believe uh, uh, Frederick Douglass said it best. Education is emancipation. And he meant it for Blacks, but to me, that is, I don't care if no. you're in the ghetto, in the barrio, or in the trailer parks. Sure. Education is uh, one of the best avenues for the poor to get out of the poverty circle. Yeah. And I see a lack of vouchers and being forced to stay in a bad public school system as a detriment. So to see elitist people, and that's the other thing, many of these politicians who are against it, where do their kids go to school private at? Schools, private exactly. Schools, yeah. What's your take, Big John? Well, here's the thing, William. Um, not only am I a pro school choice, I am pro school choice to the extent that I don't believe in public education. I don't think education should have anything to do with the government. I don't think we should be funding schools through the public uh, tax system. I think you go back to schools being founded in communities by parents, by educators, um, and then let the chips fall where they may. You'll have good schools and bad schools, but here's the difference. Now you have bad public schools, and a lot of them are bad, trust me, Right. Um, that are there as babysitting institutions on, on the primary school level, and parents are locked into them. They're locked yeah, into now, them. Now, now, to chastise the parents a little bit, Chastise them a lot. That's right. They wanted that because we now live in a dual income world. And so both parents would work and they counted. They just assumed the schools would be teaching. So they really didn't pay attention. Right. Well, that's part of the problem, too. You need to have parents who are involved. And I understand it's difficult. Don't get me wrong. But right. but here's the thing. Um, you need people say, well, how would kids learn? Well, will you hate the poor, Big John? They'll never get an education. Listen, that's a crock. That's a crock. The free market provides. You would That's have right. schools that would, would be low-income schools, right? They wouldn't be the greatest schools, but you'd get the basics done. You'd get more done. How do, how do bad institutions become better? By attracting better employees, better teachers. How do you do that? By rewarding good teachers, by firing bad teachers. That's how you improve things. The free market provides this for us. Nobody has to figure it out. The free right. market as its own organism figures this out. So in my opinion, much like Milton Friedman, get rid of public school. The Department of Education should be abolished. The best and thing people about- people don't realize the Department of Education just came into being in the 70s. 1979, yeah. Right, so yeah. it's not really an institution that's been around for decades, no. decades, decades. No. And if you look at the data, since the Department of Education was instituted, oh, it's, it's, it's pathetic. Yeah, and it's, and it's not just grade schools. High schools and colleges are in the same boat. Get rid of it. There should be no Department of Education. It's nothing but bureaucracy. They don't look out for children. They look out for themselves. The teachers unions, the, uh, the school construction authorities, like for every dollar you give them, they only spend 30 cents on building stuff for kids. Well, to make it worse, rid John, of all of it. In New York City, they have classrooms filled throughout the city of teachers oh. who can't teach because 
they 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 they're on trial. Or, they're, or they're, they're the called process. rubber. They're called the teach the rubber rooms. Yeah, that's exactly. Where, I mean, that's... I mean, you have you have accused pedophiles. Oh in sure, there, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, because they had yeah. tenure. They can't. I mean, so we are wasting money, and I do believe that the Department of Education should be yeah. abolished because school is a state, and even then, it's more of a local issue. Oh, I agree, and, 100%. And, and listen, and you're not going to get rid of public schools, but I do believe you should. That you should they, get rid of them. No, no, but I'm saying you're not because oh, this right, is yeah. won't allow it. But what I'm saying is what can happen is, is are these vouchers be given to parents so they can sit there and send their kids to a school that actually can right. educate their children. Right. And that will create competition. And oh, if absolutely. that public school wants to compete, they will do exactly what you were talking about that you and Milton Friedman advocate. And But you know what they're saying? You can't send tax dollars to uh, 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 private schools. I'm like, what are Pell Grants? Yeah, well, well, here's a better yeah. question for you. Why steal the money from parents to begin with? You exactly. wouldn't have to send it to a private school if you didn't steal their money to, for education to begin with. That's shitty right. education. Well, that, that, that's, a to, that's a bigger topic for another day. Yeah, I know yeah. where you're headed with that. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but I'll give you my personal story. My parents were, were not well off, okay? My father was an auto mechanic. He didn't have his own garage. He worked for someone else. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. The first day they sent me to public school, here's Big John, who at the time was little Big John. And we went, and my, and my mother took me to register me for the kindergarten class in the local school, the public school. First day I set foot in the school, I get jumped by two kids with my mother watching. Wow. One of them held a knife to my throat, Okay. I couldn't have been kindergarten. So what was I, six years old, seven years old? Five. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> my, my mother took me home. I could hear her crying with my father overnight. My father said, but we can't afford this. We can't afford that. You know what they did? We scrimped, we saved. They sent me to a private school, a church-run parochial school. And they said, you better learn to be smart because we're wasting, not wasting, we're spending all our money on yeah. you. Yeah. And then yeah. and and you know what? That education to this day has set me straight. I learned ancient Greek, I learned to read and write Latin. I learned to do high school level math by the 6th grade. Uh by the time I graduated, I got into a selective high school. What I'm trying to get, it's not that I'm smart. It's that my parents recognized where to invest their money in right. me, okay? Right. So, and there were no vouchers. So they were still paying taxes for schools, local schools, right? My sister, the same thing. My sister is a Barnard graduate. She's an Ivy League graduate. And she got there all on scholarship. And it all stemmed from the same parochial school. So if so, part of it is the parents. I'm not saying you have to be wealthy, but part of it is the parents. Most of the local parishes who run schools will work out a deal with you. They'll, right. they'll see, like, if, if you're serious about educating your kid, they will work something out with you, a payment plan, a reduced payment, something. They will you know, work something out. Everybody jokes about that Catholic nun with the rulers uh, smacking your hand. And I'm like, maybe so, but you knew how to add one plus one equals two. You knew how to logically think if I yep. hit that girl, that nun's going to hit me. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. you learn not only values, you learn STEM, you know, yeah. you learn how to add, you learn the sciences, yeah. you know, you learn how to read, you learn how to write. Uh, you know, there, there was an article that came out 
uh, and a couple years ago, uh, young black males, uh, it's something like 75% of them couldn't properly read at an adequate level graduating high school. You had the, in Atlanta, the teachers uh, falsifying the data of, uh, of the school, uh, 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 of the numbers of graduates and how they were doing so they could get bonuses. You know, it's, it's a lot of these politicians, as we said, who are against the voucher program, send their kids to private school. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, when, uh, when I remember uh, Chris Wallace attacking the NRA president, you say I'm an elitist and I'm, and I'm hollering, yes, you, you send your damn kids to the same school Obama's girls go to. Yes, you're an elitist, Chris, but, but they don't see themselves that way. Here, here, here's, a, uh, here's a comment where uh, uh, Wisconsin representative Lee Snodgrass said this, if parents want to have a say in their child's education, they should homeschool or pay for private school tuition out of their family budget. And the reason that stings is with the way government's going with inflation, with the way the unions uh, uh, don't teach, with the way the government has promoted minorities to, hey, being a single mom is okay. Government's your husband. Where they're they're just struggling with one job to pay the bills and living off check to check. These are people who, unlike your parents, you see, there's a difference. And I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but there is a difference between an immigrant's mentality and an American who's been here for generationally. It's 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 sad to say, but my mother coming from Panama, boy, she saw the she understood. Yeah. I'll never have this opportunity in Panama. So she pulled our family in Panama from poverty into middle class with the help of her factory job right. that eventually left because they took all the jobs of China and manufacturing, you know? So, so and then, so this lady, Lee, uh, represent, Representative Lee Snodgrass deleted the tweet. I mean, there's other ones in Alabama, Senator Tom Butler, who is against school choice. Uh, he received 25000 from the teachers union. Now, whether you're Republican or Democrat, you're supposed to hold the standards of the party, you know, uh, up to yourself and when you represent your constituents. In most states, the, the Republican plank it talks about representing the child, you know, education first, you know. So this is the definition of a rhino. You know, you, well, you're, you're it, a Republican in name only. It, it, it is, it is, but like to me i don't even look at party politics anymore because i but, think they're the same party quite honestly but but, see, but but that's the problem john because when you say that but that's the problem is it is about party politics it's like the republican who tells me usually a white person and it infuriates me i don't see color i see an american and i'm like yeah in war we don't always dictate the battlefield but when there's war we go to that battlefield in politics, that battlefield has been identity politics. And your belief, I don't see color. Well, Democrats did, and that's why we're in the mess we are today. And most minorities vote Democrat because they courted them with lies while you kept to your mantra. Well, you well know? so ignorance is or ignorance or or the high morality of this is what I believe. That's what kills us in the end in war well, in this country. It's killing our country. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't, William. And I know you're passionate about this, but but here's the thing. You have to ask yourself something. If the fight fundamentally changes you, is it a fight? Is it a pyrrhic victory? In other words, is it a false victory, right? Because, and I say this about my Trump friends, okay? And I still have friends who are Trumpers. I'm not. But here's the thing. You know that one of my core issues with people who support Trump, one of my core issues 
is that his policies, not his personality, which I also have a problem with, but his issues, his policies are largely leftist. And most people who voted for Trump don't realize that. So my question is to you, when you have this loyalty to a side, when you have a loyalty to your tribe, to your party, whatever you want to call it, and this is what Jordan Peterson, for example, always warns about, is your loyalty so binding that it prevents you from seeing the corruption within? So, it, it, so you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. But see, you're confusing uh, uh, my passion for e for this issue as loyalty to the Republican Party. It's completely not true. Okay. I'm calling out the Republican Party for their own hypocrisy. Fair I'm enough. calling out the American who, 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 who only sees Americans and not color for being an idiot because while they're doing that, we're losing the battle of schools, uh, of our education in Fair our enough. kids. Okay. You okay. Know, every issue, honestly, Republicans locally do not like me, some of the leaders, because <laughs> I call them out. You've told you know? me that, and, yeah. <laughs> and for the record, uh, uh, I see libertarians as too black and white. You guys are the first ones who get whacked in a real world sure. because, uh, because of your beliefs. That's not how the world works. The world works this way, America. The strong take from the weak, period. Since the dawn of time, that's how it's been. So when I hear illusions of, 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 of grandiose from libertarians of a utopia, it's kind of like the Democrats believing in a utopia of socialism because we just got to find the right people. Right. I am more pragmatic. And that doesn't mean I don't believe in libertarianism because right. there are aspects of individual rights I believe that libertarians. The problem is, is what you accuse others of, I see in you sure. as a libertarian as well. I, I, you, you know? you, yeah, and, and that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Damn I'm not, right. I don't, I don't, I don't claim to be perfect, but that's why I we're here. Am I? Let's, 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 you know, but, but see, I love this to me. This is what it's all about. It's the dialogue, right? It's, it's this, the exchange of ideas without yelling at each other, without necessarily like we have conflict, you and I, Trump is probably our biggest one. Right. Um, but, 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 but actually I agree with you a lot with, with, <laughs> with the great white joke at times, but I look at what he did for the economy. Let me give you one more example before we move on and that, that, that you would agree with the problem with party politics and falling in love with your party and not holding the individual accountable is twofold. One, we're like groupies. I have seen this firsthand. Sure. A Republican candidate comes in or an actual elected representative and they shake the hand of that grassroots person. All of a sudden, that 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 politician it walks on water to that grassroots because they connected. I saw this with my father-in-law, who's a staunch, hardcore leftist with with Gillibrand. He met her, shook her, shook her hand. There's nothing she could do wrong. I used to really crank him up by, by making jokes about her. Uh, but 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 that's one issue. The other issue are the people in the party. So for example, there there's a hardcore leftist black politician here who was who who was close to, she was like i've had it with the democrats in education but sure. she refused to work with conservatives who believed the same way because they weren't part of the party you know so, right. so they're I mean, cutting yeah. each other's throats to, what's it saying to spite themselves or whatever the same well, uh, uh, what's that biting your nose to spite your face yeah or something like that. but my point is is that's where I agree with you. I'm like, yeah. you don't put party uh, ahead of the issue. You work yeah. together as constituents because that's how they win over us, both Republicans and Democrats. And, and the yeah. final point on that is, 
everybody thinks little Johnny is down the street. They don't think their kids are little Johnny, that little Johnny lives down the street. Every kid is little Johnny. What I mean by that is in politics, it's the same way. If you look at all this, uh, all the polling, everybody hates politicians, yet they reelect their po politician by up to 90% for Congress. Why? They think it's not their politician, it's the other politician yeah. that's a corrupt one. Yeah, so, I agree. So, so, I agree. So, so until people think like us individually, but also realize that part of the problem is a lack of education and critical thinking that is being stopped by both mostly Democrats, by also some key Republicans, we're not going to approve. So right. so I guess we're kind of like talking in circles, but at the end of the day, we both know what the solution is, education and to think for ourselves. Agreed. And the final caveat that Milton Friedman always proposed, I'm not going to deny that capitalism is greed, but show me what other form of, uh, of, of an economy has thrust more people out of the poverty circle into a viable life and success than capitalism. So, we, so there's so much we have to learn from one another, but we've got to sit there and look in the mirror first. I'm sorry to have sat there and taken over the conversation. That's but okay. That comes from me from, from seeing my family in the third world under a dictator where we had none of these options. So to see Americans kind of, for lack of a better word, pissing that away sure. just infuriates me, both whether you're white, black, Asian, Native American, or whatnot. Nobody any longer wants to be seen as American first. I agree. That, I agree. That's the core of the problem. Anyway. Uh, sorry to have sat there and stepped on you there. That's Any okay. final words about it, about school choice, Milton Friedman, or what are your thoughts on that? 100% school choice, get rid of public education, get rid of Department of Education. More, more power to the individual. That's a libertarian's mantra. More power to the individual. Well, we'll reveal more of what we're doing as we go along. Then, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Y'all enjoy One, your Super Bowl weekend. $1 billion. Ha, ha, ha.